Libertarianism and liberalism in general are political ideologies firmly anchored to the Enlightenment, the intellectual and philosophical revolution of the 17th and 18th centuries. The central project of the Enlightenment was to replace dogma and superstition with the application of reason. With this ethos of reason as mankind's great guide, Enlightenment thinkers began to question the traditional mores of European society. They envisioned a world where the particularism of tradition and custom were subordinate to the dictates of reason. In this Enlightenment vision of the world, blind adherence to dogma was to be substituted with the rigours of free inquiry. Through the intellectual efforts of people across nations, the Enlightenment bequeathed the modern world with a broad commitment to institutions such as free speech, constitutional government, religious toleration, and the separation of church and state. But by no means was the Enlightenment perfect. Issues such as women's rights, universal suffrage, and imperialism were often left undiscussed by the predominantly wealthy male Christian membership of the Enlightenment's finest. But, despite its flaws, the Enlightenment is an obvious net positive for the world as a whole. It was a major force that uprooted absolute monarchy and feudalism. But today I am not talking about the European Enlightenment. We do that all the time. A change is needed. Despite their commitment to free inquiry, philosophy departments rarely offer classes on topics outside the philosophical canon. Now don't get me wrong, I love so many of the great books in the Western canon, but this is a restricted selection which often excludes entire continents. Often what is called the canon in reality excludes all but Western nations of the earth. But there is no use in just lamenting this. Instead, let's actually talk about someone outside the Western canon who is brilliant and deserves lots of praise and recognition. Today that person is Zara Yaqub, a 17th century Ethiopian philosopher who isolated himself in a cave and, amazingly, came to startlingly similar conclusions held by many of the foundation Enlightenment thinkers that we all revere today. Even the most well-read philosophy buffs will blush when asked to name an African philosopher. Much of African philosophy was orally transmitted, and a huge amount of it was lost during the European colonization of Africa during the 19th century. By and large, African philosophy has been mostly ignored. The historical narrative was that Africa as a continent did not have a robust philosophical tradition. But this view was exposed to be completely false when the Canadian scholar Claude Sumner began publishing his research on Zaria Cub during the 70s. Zara left one short essay to the world, but it's a potent one. He displays all of the attitudes which have come to form the backbone of Enlightenment thought, reason as the final arbiter in all matters, a critical attitude towards unexamined knowledge, and a philosophical methodology centred around stripping back one's biases. What emerges from all this is a thinker who strongly resembled the pivotal philosopher René Descartes, while also predating many of the great Enlightenment thinkers such as John Locke. Zara was born on August 28, 1599, near the ancient capital of Ethiopia, Aksum. At the time of Zara's birth, Ethiopia was a powerful nation that had conquered other kingdoms and was quickly becoming a major power. Unlike many other African nations, Ethiopia would not be colonised in the scramble for Africa in the 19th century. But Zara did not belong to the ranks of the wealthier powerful of Ethiopia. His family were poor farmers. But in spite of that, at a young age, Zara distinguished himself at school as an extremely quick learner. His teacher explained to his father that if he continued his education, he would become an excellent scholar. Zara was encouraged to continue his education beyond the basics to study rhetoric, poetry, and critical thinking for about four years. One day while studying and playing with friends, Zara accidentally fell into a ravine. Miraculously, he emerged unharmed despite the ravine being 26 fathoms deep, or about 50 meters. Amazed he was even alive, Zara then decided he would thank God by dedicating his life to studying Holy Scripture. At the time of Zara's studies, Ethiopia was a place of great religious unrest. Ethiopia alongside Armenia is one of the oldest Christian nations belonging to the Orthodox tradition, with many Ethiopians such as Zara being Coptic Christians. As Zara spent a whole decade studying the Bible, he observed the endless religious debates between Muslims, Jews and Christians. 
Each time, scholars would argue according to their faith and their scripture, with little reference to any universal principles. Zara was a curious person, and constantly asked others what they believed, and patiently listened. He realized that many people held their faith simply out of habit, tradition, and worst of all, from his perspective, dogma. Zara rejected all religious labels, explained that he did not believe in anything except God who created all and conserves all, as he had taught me. Zara's skepticism of organized religion can be seen as a parallel to the American founder Thomas Paine's Age of Reason, which similarly aimed to make religion reasonable and individualistic. Completing his studies, Zara returned to his home of Axelm to teach for about four years. Sadly for Zara, this was a time of much religious tension yet again, not the best environment for a free thinker such as himself who wished to discuss each religion's merits and issues openly. He explains that the Frang, meaning foreigners, say this, or the cops say that. I did not say this is good, this is bad, but I said, all these things are good if we ourselves are good. This more open-minded approach did not win many friends, and people often misunderstood what Zara was saying, that he was not part of a particular religion. He simply loved and worshipped God, but there was no need to be part of any group in Zara's eyes. Like many other great thinkers throughout history who were ahead of their time, Zara attracted a great deal of confusion and ire. Portuguese Jesuits had been trickling into Ethiopia, attempting to convert people to Catholicism. But by 1626, the reigning king, Susenios, was converted from orthodoxy to Catholicism, and a period of great unrest began. The king tried to convert his subjects to the Catholic faith despite their protests. Zara attempted to stay neutral in the matter, but this made him even more unpopular than he already was. Eventually, for his free thinking that potentially threatened the status quo, Zara was denounced by a priest named Walda Johannes, who accused him of misleading the people akin to Socrates, who supposedly had corrupted the youth of Athens. Thus Zara was forced to flee for his life, grabbing some gold in his trusty book of Psalms, Zara fled south towards Shoa, another Ethiopian kingdom. While on the road, he found a cave surrounded by the gorgeous Sirenia of the Takazi River. Being completely uninhabited, Zara decided this would make an excellent place to lay low until he could return home, whenever that would be. Zara began his new life of solitude, spending his days contemplating, only occasionally seeing people when he visited towns, where people looking at him would think he was some sort of indeterminate religious hermit, often giving him food or clothing. It is during this two-year period of solitude in which Zara came to his stunning conclusions he would later record in his short yet potent book entitled Hatata, meaning The Inquiry. Zara begins his inquiry by giving a brief account of his own life and how he ended up in a slightly odd situation in a cave. After building a fence to keep out any wild animals, there was not much left to do but wait around all day. He explains that without much work to occupy him, he spent a great deal of his time meditating, and one of the first things he meditated over is all the persecution, strife, and misery committed in the name of God by men. The religious persecution Zara observed was intensified by the pernicious influences of dogma and tradition, which made it impossible for people to rationally argue about religion in a constructive manner. But Zara explained that God has endowed us with the gifts of intelligence and reason. The gift of reason was not bequeathed to us by chance. Reason is a tool that we use to uncover and examine fundamental truths. But if it is God who gave us reason in the first place, it logically follows that God must also be rational. Zara explains that the creator who has endowed us with the gift of intelligence and reason cannot himself be without them. For Zara, God is a rational being. His existence does not need to be affirmed through omens, suit-saying, astrology, or rituals. If this is the case though, why is there so much conflict over religion, if all we need to do is contemplate? The simple answer for Zara is that human nature is weak and sluggish. The effort of thinking for ourselves is really daunting, and so many people hastily accept what they have heard from their fathers and shy away from critical examination, in Zara's own words. But by isolating himself from all cultural sway and pressures of others' opinions, Zara could clearly apply reason without any hindrance. 
He explained that I have learned more while living alone in a cave than when I was living with the scholars. Fourteen years worth of learning paled in comparison to two years of sitting in a cave having to think. Following this, Zare criticised religions of his day for strict adherence to arbitrary rules that had no real rational basis for existing. God as the highest being ought to be rational, but therefore he could not possibly permit any absurdities to be committed in his name. Yet, there was a multitude of rules spanning across religions that Zara believed were at best absurd and at worst harmful to life itself. For example, in Christianity, the law of Moses deemed women impure when she was menstruating. But Zara pointed out the obvious fact that this is a perfectly natural part of a woman's life which God intended. Another prominent example within Christianity, Judaism, and Islam is the importance of fasting or abstaining from certain foods. But yet again, Zara states that eating could never be wrong as it is required a natural part of life. Zara explains that God does not order absurdities, nor does he say, eat this, do not eat this today, tomorrow do not eat. Zara was not just criticizing these religions for fun. He wanted to show that these ideas could not possibly belong to God because of their logical inconsistencies. If everyone became a Christian monk, the human race would die out due to celibacy. Therefore, it would be highly irrational for God to ever command us to be celibate. These rules and laws were merely falsehoods created by men. These were perpetuated throughout generations until they were normalized. They had no basis in God's word or God himself. They were made holy by men. But this critique of religion that Zara has goes even further. Explain that any religion which relies upon God explicitly revealing his teachings onto certain people is necessarily absurd. In language extremely close to John Locke and the American Constitution, surprisingly, Zara stated that all men are created equal. He emphatically believed that all men are equal in the presence of God and all are intelligent since they are his creatures. He did not assign one people for life, another for death, one for mercy, another for judgment. Our reason teaches us that this sort of discrimination cannot exist in the sight of God. Revelations from God reserved for a particular set of humanity are absurd because by nature of our natural faculties, all of humanity is deserving of equal respect. But unlike Locke who personally benefited from the slave trade, Zara roundly condemns slavery as an irrational practice that subverts God's will, God who made us equal like brothers. While Locke was an egalitarian in theory, Zara was an egalitarian in theory and practice. But in yet another parallel to Locke, Zara expands a theory of natural law, establishing a dichotomy between the laws of God and the laws of men. The laws of God are eternal, unchanging, and perfect, while the law of man is contingent, ever-changing, and imperfect. The guidance of this natural law is accessible to all peoples, races, creeds, or genders, because as Zara beautifully puts it, the law of nature is obvious because our reason clearly propounds it. On the other hand, the law of man is often fickle, self-serving, and more often than not, based on irrational practices. I'll stick to the law of nature then. Even more surprisingly, Zara's idea of contemplation bears a striking resemblance to the famous French philosopher René Descartes, whose seminal Discourse on Method from 1637 is often referred to as one of the foundational texts of the Enlightenment. Descartes wrote Discord on Method during his winter stay at Nuremberg, where he was hopelessly bored with little entertainment. In his seclusion, Descartes began to introspect on the importance of stripping away biases and preconceived notions before thinking philosophically. This method reaches its zenith with what is now called methodic or Cartesian doubt, which describes the process of closely scrutinizing beliefs which we believe to be true. Even seemingly apparent beliefs such as the idea we exist are not to be taken for granted. But Descartes argued that even with this extreme doubt, we could reach certain unshakable truths such as our existence, which is proven by our ability to think. Descartes famously argued that we cannot doubt our existence while we doubt. 
He neatly summed up his argument as Ergo cogito sum in Latin, which means I think, therefore I am. Descartes' method divorced philosophy from relying upon the authority and wisdom of the past, when it was commonplace to bolster arguments by liberally quoting high authorities who previously made similar points to your own argument. Descartes' radical skepticism denied the validity of custom and tradition, arguing in true Enlightenment fashion that reason is the only trustworthy guide in the quest for knowledge. The parallels between Zera and Descartes are obvious. Both experienced periods of seclusion, from which they emerged equipped with a lean method that cut to the heart of philosophical issues. For both Descartes and Zara, reason must be our only guide, not blind faith, dogma, or tradition. This belief in reason as the only valid method of testing and proving knowledge is now known as rationalism. Zara critiqued organized religion, affirmed the supremacy of reason, argued in favor of natural law as the basis for morality, and roundly condemned slavery. In short, a man in a cave theorized about what would come to be the highest ideals of the Enlightenment before John Locke could even walk. Impressive to say the least, but Zara did not write down his conclusions till a much later date. After two years of solitude, King Sisenius, who had persecuted Zara, died, and was succeeded by his son, who expelled the Jesuits and firmly re-established Orthodox Christianity as the religion of his kingdom. With a semblance of peace restored, Zara left his cave and travelled north to a town called Emphras. While here, Zara met a wealthy man named Habutu, who upon finding out Zara could write, asked him to copy the Psalms of David. Being one of the only people nearby who could transcribe texts, Zara became happily busy. While living alongside Habutu and his family, Zara decided he needed a wife, believing that married life was a natural virtue. He found a maidservant worker in Habutu named Hurut, who he described quite bluntly as not beautiful, but she was good-natured, intelligent, and patient. Habutu saw no issue with this and told Zara from this day forth she would be your maidservant. But Zara quickly replied that she would not be his maidservant and the two would be husband and wife who are equal in marriage. Zara then asked Ruth if she wished to marry him. But asking for a woman's consent in marriage back in the 17th century was a surprisingly rare occurrence, so it is significant that Zara did it at all and shows his commitment to both men and women's fundamental equality and dignity. Ruth happily said yes and the pair married. Zara loved her unrelentingly, saying that he did not believe there was another marriage which is so full of love and blessed as ours. Yet again, Zara outdid his European counterparts in his modest commitment to the equality of women, a topic even the most enlightened minds would either outright ignore or would espouse atrociously sexist beliefs upon. Eventually, Abutu asked Zara if he would teach his two sons to read and write. One of these sons was named Walda, who became entranced by the sage wisdom of Zara. Walda constantly asked him to write down his thoughts, and thankfully for us, Zara loved Walda and happily wrote down his thoughts and experiences of his time in his cave. Waldo would go on to be a philosopher very much in the same vein as Zara, eventually writing his own treaties, applying Zara's thought to more practical issues of everyday life. Until his death, Zara was a second father to the curious Waldo. Zara lived out the rest of his days peacefully with his wife and family, dying in 1692 at the impressive age of 93. During the 19th century, when Africa was unjustly ravaged and colonised by European powers, a Eurocentric philosophical narrative emerged. Supposedly, Africa had not produced the wonderful philosophical thinking that the West cherished so dearly. Africans were thought of as impervious to logical and systematic thinking. Colonizers actively ignored the rich tradition of oral philosophy that had existed throughout places such as Ethiopia, because they considered that philosophy had to be written down to even count, conveniently ignoring the fact that Plato's works are all dialogues, and the finest work of Greek poetry, the Iliad, was not written down to hundreds of years after its composition. The writings of Zara Yacoub and his latest successor, Walda Hayat, completely demolished this Eurocentric narrative. 
At times, there is a worrying degree of Eurocentrism in philosophy, which through often restricted curricula teaches only one point of view, the Western one. But philosophy is, by its very nature, a collective and universal quest for knowledge that draws people from all kinds of nations. Zara's work is truly an amazing piece of history. His rationalist principles, the idea of natural law, and openness to religious discussion and toleration, make him seem like a messiah of the Enlightenment, despite his geographical and cultural isolation from it. Zara uncovered his rationalist principles around roughly the same time that Descartes wrote Ergo Cogito's Sum for the first time. He criticized organized religion 100 years before Thomas Paine wrote The Age of Reason. He wrote that all men were created equal before the American Constitution and before Locke. For these and many other reasons, I believe Zara Yacoub roundly deserves an honorable mention as the African precursor to the Enlightenment values we so dearly cherish today. Thanks a million for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you may listen to podcasts. Visit the website www.libertarianism.org to find more podcasts like this one. I hope to see you next time.